Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode five of season four. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nats Moose. And joining me always as we continue with our rankings season is Ryan. You can follow him on Twitter at We Are All Shack. And Trey, you can follow him on Twitter at Reverse. It's two R's, two S's. You, you teased I, it. I teased but it. Then and you didn't found do anything. anything about it. So. I eventually it'll change eventually i understand it, it, it's a difficult decision it's one you can't make lightly on a whim but we are Very looking important. the search has begun reverse the handle has been put on notice so it's, <laughs> it's on the hot seat of, right it's on waivers right now oh yeah so we'll just see if it <laughs> i guess if it gets claimed i don't know might not be the best metaphor but what's going on we're still in a lockout uh what have you guys been doing to uh keep your sanity or have you lost it? I mean, yeah, wasting Dane. my money, sports betting. <laughs> As Ryan likes to say, like false spring three right now. We're day, we're day 96 of uh, of the lockout. And it's definitely false spring three because it's supposed to snow on Fridays. So yep. we got yeah. we got an additional false spring. Usually there's only two, but my well, mother we, nature we had threw COVID. Yeah, we had COVID. So it has to make up with a couple additional false springs. Exactly. Wait until we get to fall summer. <laughs> that, that's gonna be that's gonna be a freaking Monday. Monday was eighty one, so I feel like you could kind of maybe say fall summer. That's close, but I mean we're in March, so it's like we. Well, I guess global warming. We could just go from winter to summer. Who who the hell knows? But, that's true. But I don't know, um, Trey. What's been going on with you? You know, just uh, like I said, losing all my money betting on basketball parlays. Uh, your your dollar here your five dollars yeah, there <laughs> just a, attempting to come up with I, more ideas because 
I'm out at this point. It seems like I'm just kind of winging it every week at this point, just waiting for this thing to shut down or not shut down to open up. I should say it's lockout to end. Your bounce um, back uh, video this past week was good though. Yeah. I, the I made that. I made that on the fly. Yeah. I think it actually made it better to be honest. <laughs> well, as you obviously, you know, you're still relatively new to half street height. You'll find that everything we do is on the fly. Like nothing <laughs> we do is all that thought out. So you fit right in. Sweet. <laughs> um, but speaking of uh, doing things on the fly, that's how the MLB and MLPA have decided to negotiate through these uh, false deadlines. Speaking of false spring three, it's false deadline two uh, today. I, you know, I just got home shortly before we started recording, so I don't have the details. Ryan, was the uh, the last offer from the, uh, I believe from the MLB, were the details released on that? So we are slowly getting details on the latest offer. Um, around five o'clock, we got some information on the written proposal that the owners sent to the players yesterday. Um, the most important thing with this is the CBT nothing else matters right now in negotiations besides the cbt once these two sides figure out the cbt it'll take a couple days to figure out everything else the first proposal mlb started with the collective bargaining tax at 228 million and only going to 238 million they also were increasing penalties in part two and part tier two and tier three they also would go to 50 million for the player pool in exchange for a 14 team postseason that wasn't met very well by the players. Um, the owners also really, 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 really want a 14-team postseason. Why is that? Mm, because they have a multi-billion why. dollar deal with ESPN waiting for this to go into effect. That wasn't very good. That was a real offer, though. I, I do have to give it to them. Um, but ending at 238 where the players is starting is a joke. Now, 30 minutes ago, we're recording this at nine o'clock on Tuesday, it will be proposed the CBT to start at two 30 and end at two 42. That's a real offer. That is much, much better. They're finally in the same realm that the players are in. There are strings attached right now. The reported strings are attached are draft pick composite compensation and an international draft. I feel like if those are the strings attached, if they're at two 30 to two 42, we have a better chance of the players taking it. The yes, non-starters doable. for players are the 14-team draft. I mean, sorry, 14-team playoffs because it decentifies spending. And then also, I can't remember that one, but it doesn't really matter. But this is workable. I feel like the players, they're going to decline. That's just how you negotiate. They'll probably come down after 238 mark. But we're finally, you know, 60 some odd days into them negotiating day 96 of the lockout the owners finally sent a real proposal and i think we finally have a proposal that the two sides will be able to work off and probably get a deal done soon yeah because the international draft that was i don't necessarily know how teams or players feel about that um but i like it (laughs) yeah i I was gonna say like it makes sense Um, i think so I feel like the teams would be in favor of that just because with the way it's currently set up now, the bigger teams kind of haul away all the top players in the international pool. You know, teams like the Nats, there's teams like the Red Sox as well that 
kind of look for getting more international slot money and trades. Yeah, because so like a team like the Royals the is people. never going to recruit an international <laughs> free agent. And yeah, that's not so, shot against the Royals. It's just the reality of it. Right. And we've talked about how crucial the international market is for rebuilds. Looking at Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Juan Jr., Soto. Juan Soto, uh, Vlad, things like that. I think teams would be more open to the international draft. They'll have to do a lot to work it out, figure out if ESPN will include that in their TV rights with the draft. If it'll be a second draft, that would be pretty quick to work out. But I genuinely think if that is what's tied to the CBT and they're not increasing the tier two and tier three penalties and they're not tagging it to the 14 team playoffs, that's a good start. They also want like a 45 day notice to the players to change the rules. I think the players were like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. I don't think they care too much about that. But there's just a couple of things that you really have to pay attention to when it comes to these offers. Yeah, especially with the strings and the fine print and shit like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you know those rich people love their fine print. And sorry, um, it's funny because the owners are annoyed at the backlash they're receiving from the media and on social media. <laughs> their whole publicity tour of saying we're poor, we're broke, surprisingly, isn't working in a time when. People aren't doing really well financially, you know? Um, so that's not really going over very well. And when you're billionaires and inherited your wealth and gotten everything you ever wanted in your life, you don't hand adversity very well. So that's that's pretty funny as well. I think it's, um, I can't remember the satire account. It's a New York sports satire account. It's like short porch something or other. All yeah. sack sports? What's that? No, it's not ball sack. Although they're on it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I think it's called the Short Porch Sports, and it looks like it's a subsidiary of like the New York Times or something. Like it looks legit, but you read the bio, it's like satire account. But the former Yankees president said something regarding like you know the owners crying broke or whatever. And I saw the Short Port. I'm just gonna call it Short Porch Sports. Um, they tweeted out like a fake quote of his saying, "Is like, oh, we can't show you our books. I wish we could, so you could see how bad it is." But it's just so demoralized. <laughs> so demoralized. I was like, <laughs> like, is that actually a quote? Like, I couldn't tell because it was so like along the lines of something that would actually be said. But it's not even that far off. Right. Exactly. Um, but the other string, the draft pick compensation. I don't think that's crazy. I don't like the the way it currently was where the teams would lose a draft pick. I just, I like how in football you sign some, if you lose a player to free agency, you get a draft pick, but that team doesn't have to forfeit it. I think that makes the most sense. Just add another pick to the draft. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're proposing, but I don't think draft or uh, free agent compensation. Like if you lose a free agent is all that crazy. It's obviously if football does it. It can't be all that crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting one because, Kind of early on, the owners agreed to get rid of draft pick compensation for free agents. So basically, um, not the I'm thinking football terms, not the franchise tag of the qualifying offer. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Qualifying offer was dead. They basically agreed. Yeah, we're going to get away with that. That was a huge win for the players. Now it's back on. So I'm really interested to see what exactly that caveat is going to be for the compensation. Yeah, because in football it's just a compensatory pick, and yeah, like, which is smart because yeah, it I doesn't. Like that too. It doesn't right. incentivize anyone from spending, right? Because like the Patriots lost Tom Brady, and they got the highest you can get is a third round pick, which is obviously extremely valuable in football still, even though it's not a first or second round pick. 
but in baseball you can get if you lose uh, on a Carlos Correa or whatever like the Astros would get a third round pick I, I think that's that's fine like there's still obviously plenty of valuable guys in the third round and it helps mitigate the loss without you know hurting the players and teams already signed one big name for agent so they're not gonna you know lose another draft pick or whatever uh Trey what are your thoughts on the latest proposal um yeah well it's a step in the right direction you know just about six weeks too late uh, but what I want to talk about was the proposed rule changes, uh, bigger bases, a pitch clock, and uh, banning the shift. Uh, so I'm curious what you guys think. But personally, pitch clock with the bases empty, I'm fine with. Pitch clock with bases with runners on base, I don't like that much. Agreed. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I think there's some positives to the shift ban here. Uh, and the bigger bases is interesting especially if you're a Nats fan and you've seen Trey Turner get called out twice on <laughs> base runner interference people are like what's the point of this but we we know all too well what it means but also it incentivizes potentially more stealing which is fun stealing is fun uh, specifically for the shift they haven't had anything like definitive yet about how, what the rules are going to be uh, and I think that there's probably still going to be shifting if they do it how I think they do it um, which is having you have to have two infielders on either side of second base. Uh, that makes sense to me as like a simple rule change that's still going to affect the game. But there's still, I feel like if that's how they go, they're still going to be shifting. And I like it because I feel like the analytics teams get to show off a little bit. They're like, all right, you want to take away one of our pieces? We'll just, we'll just uh, adapt and make something happen. I actually tweeted out a picture. You know, you've seen like an extreme shift on a player like Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. where the first baseman is like right on the line. The second baseman's barely even playing second base is essentially in right field. So I'm curious if, you know, if you don't have the shortstop that can come over the other side, I'm curious if they'll just leave the shortstop on the other side, like on the, on his side and just keep that shift, just kind of give the middle of the field open to some of those guys who can't, who don't hit it up the middle. They only pull it. So maybe that isn't how it's going to work, but hypothetically speaking, I think it's a fun idea. Yeah, like banning the shift is going to lead to more offense, which has obviously been a goal of the MLB for quite some time. And I don't necessarily think it's, uh, you know, a bad thing, but I think banning the shift completely is dumb. I saw one of the football pundits talk about, it's like, this is so stupid. Imagine football banding, uh, you know, too deep high safety because the quarterback can't throw it over the top. Like, and I get it. It's not exactly a one for one comparison, but I get it. I think you know, me personally, my idea was, you know, you can put your players anywhere, like put your four infielders anywhere, as long as their feet are starting on the dirt. I think that's my, that way you can still, I mean, shit, you can have all four of your infielders on the right side. If you really wanted to, they just all have to start on the dirt. Obviously if there's a pop-up in the shallow outfield, they can go out and field it or whatever, but their starting point has to be on the dirt. I think that's, and if like during the pitch, if the second baseman wants to sprint out to right field during the pitch, I think that would be cool. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think even your suggestion, while like not too terrible, I think that's taking it too far. Like you have to be able to defensively maneuver how you see fit because the analytics work, works both ways, right? That's why the shift started. 
it's like, hey, this guy tends to hit it to this side more often. So we're just going to stack this side and make him go the other way. So it's like analytics works both ways. And I don't want to see the shift gone completely. But, you know, I'm also I hate when people say, oh, well, just go the other way. It's not really that easy. Uh, So it's, it's, you know, I see it both ways. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the shift? Yeah, I'm very happy the shift's being banned. Um, It's really stupid. Not a single person is going to like, oh, you know, I love seeing the shift. Can't wait to see some good shift today in baseball. (laughs) Like, no, it's so stupid. Players get punished for great contact. I've seen so many times a hard hit ball up the middle, which is one of the best things you could do in the second baseman is standing directly behind the second base back and it's out. The shift sucks. Get rid of it. I'm so glad baseball is doing that because more offense is better and this will help create more offense. I don't want to see the third baseman standing in right field. The average fan has no idea what the hell is happening. They're trying to figure out where all the players on the field are. It's dumb. Get rid of it. I'm very happy they're doing this. There will be some amendments to it, like two guys on one side or whatever. I don't care. Get the shift out of here. Absolutely against it. Play baseball the right way. I'm being that guy. Do not care. Oh, man. <laughs> so you sound like Amanda right now. Wow. <laughs> no, it's just the shift's dumb. And I'm just I, so I get what you're it. saying. Yeah, like uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna be broken up about it if they ban it. Like you said, like no one really cares about a great shift today. Like no <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, I got. Great seats down the right field line. Can't wait to see some shifting, baby. <laughs> I like, can't uh, wait to see the third baseman up close and personal. Me, me and Machado mean, will come there. Me and Machado, I was about to say, that one, that one play where he was almost at the wall. It's ridiculous. Oh it's dumb. It's and funny, how many times but... is like a perfect base hit that's going to land between, like in front of the right fielder, could go for extra bases, caught by the second baseman. It's dumb. I don't like it. Baseball needs fine ways to get more offense. This is great. Pitch clock. Don't care. There's way too many guys who stand up there and take 35 seconds to pitch anyways, make their lives hell. I will say they should just put the pitch clock like this in all the minor levels, get the guys used to in the minor leagues. So by the time they come up in the major leagues, they're used to pitching at a fast pace, but Mm -hmm. it's whatever. Don't have opinion on it. Bigger bases. Again, don't really have an opinion on it. It's about one inch an area. They look huge, but it's literally just like one inch in its area size. That'll help with broken fingers and guys getting stepped on and anything that helps reduce injuries is good. Yeah, I agree. agree with everything you just said. Um, again, not a one-for-one comparison here, but like, you know, the team I coach, uh, you know, I coach 13 to, to 17. Um, but I hate when one of my guys finally goes oppo right into right field for a base hit, right fielder throws him out. Like, again, not a one-for-one comparison, but I can't imagine how MLBers feel. It's like, oh, that is a shot in front of the right fielder. Oh, wait, there's the third baseman with the diving play. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how that feels. So, uh, but. And if you want to know how it feels, you just watch Joey Votto line into the shift once and you just his reactions are always the best. I love Joey Votto. Yeah, I love Joey he always Votto. has the best. Low-key, like a big personality on that guy. You wouldn't expect it. Oh, yeah, I love that guy. Have you ever, yeah. I'm sure... Anyone out there who hasn't seen the interview where he's dressed as a Mountie uh, on intentional talk is from like six years ago, but it is. I think I know what you're talking it about. It is so I'll good. I'm sure again, if you've though. ever scrolled MLB on YouTube, you've probably seen it because right. Right. it's really good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we'll obviously, you know, talk about any proposed rule changes. Uh, we didn't really touch on the CBT, but like 
both of you said, you know, the CBT where it is now, it feels like it's within striking distance for both sides to find that, that, you know, middle ground, where, wherever it may be, whether it's, you know, 235 or whatever, whatever it may be. It seems like they're at least closer now in the same stadium as opposed to different continents, you yeah. know, in terms of negotiation. So who knows, maybe by false deadline four, we get, we get a deal done in like two weeks and we only miss like a week or two of games. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, you know, one can hope, but the more Bob Nightingale tweets out that he's hopeful about a deal getting done, the less optimistic I become. So, yeah. And so it goes, but so it goes ranking season. We are tackling third base tonight as we talk about the top third baseman in baseball. I texted both of you while I was doing my rankings seven through 10, very difficult in in some good ways and some bad ways like there were some guys that i felt deserved to be in the top 10 that i didn't initially have in the top 10 and then there's some guys i had in the top 10 where it's like ooh, maybe you're not top 10 material so it was kind of like a very odd rankings and one we haven't really encountered yet so i'm very excited to see how it all shakes out again ryan and i each did our individual rankings we put them together for a composite ranking that will be you know, the, the list we read off, Trey will chime in with his rankings and his, uh, you know, in favor or devil's advocacy of it all uh, and go from there. I will say Ryan and I actually did have very different lists, but when we put them together, we both looked at it and we're like, huh, that looks about right. <laughs> like that was just very two different ways to get to the, 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 the final result, but it worked out. And that's, you know, why we do this. So without further ado, let's kick it off with number 10. Number 10 on the top third baseman in baseball heading into, God, my contact just blurred up on me, uh, heading into the 2022 season, we have Justin Turner. I had him unranked. Ryan had him ranked. Let me look really quick. Ryan had him ranked seventh, which is why he cracks the top 10. I want to say Justin Turner is very good. I, I realize that if he was three years younger, he would have been five on my list, but he's going into his age 38 season and it's just impossible to predict, or sorry, age 37 season, but still impossible to predict. So I just left him off because again, I've talked about it with my rankings personally. I try to project a little bit and, you know, Justin Turner has been defying odds, you know, so far, but who knows how long he can keep that up. Dodgers are obviously very good. He wouldn't have to do too much, but that's why I left him off my, uh, my top 10 Ryan had him six so Ryan likes him a lot and you know there's plenty of good reason to last year 22 home runs 87 RBIs uh, you know 832 OPS all very solid numbers he was an all-star if you know you put stock into that 3.7 war as well Ryan what speaks out to you about Justin Turner why is he still you know top six in your mind for a third baseman yeah, Justin Turner is coming off of the worst statistical season since he has joined the Dodgers. That was a season where he slashed 278, 361, 471. That is a 832 OPS and a 123 OPS plus. He was below career averages across the board, and he was still an all-star. Um, he had a 400 on base from 2017 to 2020. You know, I love my on base. His on base took a massive drop of 360. Oh, he's terrible. Even, 
Horrible. He's, he's atrocious. <laughs> Even in his down years, he's still good. I don't care too much about the age, mainly because he doesn't really have a lot of injury concerns like other guys do. We have seen in the last couple of years that guys, especially hitters, are aging very, very well. Add in the fact that the DH is now in the National League, that is going to benefit him as well. We've seen his range kind of take a hit at third base, naturally so, but his arm is still doing well. He had negative two defensive runs saved, which for third base is actually right around average. Third base is not very good position right now. Um, so he's kind of average defensively. Again, you look at his numbers across the board. 280, 360, 470. Those are down years. I think he is going to rebound. I like the fact that the DH is also going to help him as well. And I think he's going to keep doing great things. They're going to bat him second. The Dodgers lineup stinks right now for the Dodgers standards. You put Freddie Freeman behind them. He bounces back in every single one of his categories, which is why I have him where I do. That's fine. I can't, again, I can't argue anything against anything you just said i literally just left him off because of age and you know called me ageist whatever it trey did uh justin turner crack your top 10 uh, i'm also an ageist uh he is <laughs> my number 11 choice and it's pretty much the same thing just all the numbers i mean they there was a slight decline last season but he's still killing it um hey, remember when that guy was a met <laughs> and then uh he went to the dodgers and became remember when God. he was an oriole no, I don't. Actually. He just, I knew I knew that he is, but I don't remember. It. He went to the he went to the mecca of player development, and they <laughs> they really figured it out with him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah he's still say. killing it. Got the DH to help him out, uh, maybe take the load off because his defense is declining a little bit now. Um, but yeah, no, everything you said was correct. I just going into an age thirty seven season is is tough. But yeah, he was my number eleven. Yeah. And again, I don't know how much stock anyone puts into this, but uh, baseball reference has his uh, 2022 projections at 22 home runs, 70 RBIs, 806 OPS, which again, extremely solid. solid. Like, you know, as Ryan said, like defensively third base, isn't exactly what you would expect right now, especially with some of the flashy plays we do see on like highlight reels, you know, if he can still be serviceable and obviously the DH, like Ryan said, coming, He's fine. Like he, he probably definitely deserves to be on this list. So Justin Turner coming in at number 10, no problems there. Number nine on our list is a guy that will be a future national. Mark my words. That is one Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant. uh, Trey pointed this out. He did play more outfield than third base this past year. But for me personally, I think that's part of, you know, due to the fact that he got traded and obviously the giants had a third baseman and Evan Longoria and some other guys. So, you know, Chris Bryant also very easily slides into, you know, the outfield or first base or whatever. Uh, but I do think he is trying to be a third baseman. Granted, he did say if he could play one position for the rest of his career, it'd be center field. I don't think that will happen, but I, I we're categorizing him as third base. Cause that's where he has played the most uh, majority of his career. But in 2021, uh, in total between Chicago and San Francisco, 265, 353, 41 for 835 OPS, 25 home runs, 73 RBIs, and a 3.3 war. A little bit down by his standards, and I think that's where some of the concern comes from uh, amongst people who aren't necessarily in favor of giving him a long-term deal. I am not necessarily all that concerned by him. 
you know, cause he, you know, he had 39 home runs uh, in that MVP season, but since then he's never hit more than 31 and granted, you know, he's at the top of the lineup. So the RBI totals aren't going to blow you away, but he's been pretty much the same consistent guy throughout his entire career. Like he, again, that 2016 season was really good. And obviously he won the MVP, but since then he, he's just been solid. Like there, there's not too much injury concern, you know? Yeah. There's a slight dip in some of his categories, but not all that concerning. I think he's just going to be a solid guy. Obviously the, uh, the service time manipulation really screwed him because now he's entering free agency at age 30, as opposed to age 29 and 30 is just that magic number and magic, obviously in a bad way where it's like, teams like, Oh God, he's 30. And, you know, even fans now see you say, Oh, 30. Want nothing in the retirement home. Right. Exactly. Where I don't think that's the case. I think he has a lot left on the tank. And again, I've talked about this in my rankings. I value versatility and he is versatile. He might not be a gold glove caliber guy at any one of the positions, but he can play multiple positions at a very high level. And I think that's very valuable, especially, you know, if, he's a third baseman and the team has a third baseman, you know, in the minors waiting to be called up in a year or two while Chris Bryant's still in the contract for five more years, Chris Bryant can slide to left field and open up the door for a third baseman. Like that, that's a value to me. And maybe that's not the right way to go about like rankings. Uh, but at the same time, I think having a guy on, like that on your team being versatile and like just basically doing what's best for the team is very good. Plus, World Series champion, MVP. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, I, I think Chris Bryant's great. I had him number seven. Ryan had him number 10. So, Ryan a little bit lower, but still top 10 nonetheless. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Chris Bryant? Yeah, so, honestly, after four with third base, it's kind of up in the air. A lot of guys underperform at third base last year. Chris Bryant is one of them. If those guys underperform again, it's the worst position in baseball. If these guys bounce back, including Chris Bryant, it's back to being one of the best. The reason why I have Bryant at 10 is because there were some very interesting red flags that popped up above him. His numbers were down for his standards. Now, granted, he has some pretty high standards. He has a career 880 OPS. He's a career 500 slugger. Those are fantastic. He was 13 points above league average and WRC+. plus. That's good. The power disappeared when he went to San Francisco. Don't really care much about that. San Francisco hasn't really had a 30 home run hitter since Barry Bonds. That Those gaps in the park are absolutely unreal. There are some very interesting things with Chris Bryant, but the main one to me is that his defense took a massive step back at every single position he played last year. Yes. Chris Bryant is very versatile and that is very, very attractive for teams. He can play third, first, short, left field, center field, right field, but every single position he played, he had a negative defensive run save and he had bad range and his arm kind of took some interesting drops as well that we haven't seen from him in years before, before was that fatigue Was that something else going on? Was that some lingering side effects from 2020? I don't know. We've heard that excuse for Patrick Corbin could be an excuse for him. We don't know, but there were a lot of red flags with him. The Giants don't like his swing. They think he has an athletic swing, which isn't going to age very well. Personally, 
I don't care much about that. I think his swing is going to age fine. I do think Chris Bryant bounces back to what he is as a person, which is an MVP candidate, maybe not like top five like he has been, but whoever's going to sign him, he's going to be an all-star for them. He's going to be putting up good numbers. I do think he bounces back this time. Very interesting about these defensive red flags. Not sure if it's just defensive metrics being wonky or that's a sign of that his defense is starting to go. Not really sure. Want to see more of that this year to make a bigger decision. I think his numbers bounce back. Offensive decline can be directly, directly attributed to where he played in the second half. Yeah, I think you make great points and obviously valid points with his defense. Um, I think, and some players have talked about this. I'm not going to pretend to know everything, but some players have talked about the fact that if they're playing different positions frequently, that it's kind of tough for them to get in the groove. And obviously Chris Bryant's a a well-established player, but he was playing third base for the majority of his time in Chicago. And obviously, you know, during, you know, the, the, I don't want to say peak because that makes it seem like he's on the decline, but like the really, really MVP caliber years, he was playing a majority of third base. So I'm not trying to like, you know, overly defend him or pretend like I know everything, but I, you know, some players, it does help if you just settle into a home uh, in not an old folks home, like, you know, ages Trey and I are, but uh, you know, settle into a home defensively and, you know, just get into your daily routine and just have some sort of consistency. Chris Bryant, you know, has, outwardly expressed his you know willingness to play multiple positions which i like but you know it might be the team that signs would be like hey just pick a spot and like let's roll with it and you know help you get into a groove uh but i i do agree with you ryan i do think he bounces back which is why i still had him at number seven personally and he comes in at number nine overall trey did uh chris bryant crack your top 10 i had chris bryant number six on my list uh higher than both of us the reason the reason i i really do believe in Chris Bryant is because I think that whatever team is going to sign him and commit to him is probably signing him to play. I hope so. I hope so. It's probably signing him to play is to be a lock into one position for the next, you know, six, seven years. And I, I really think that there is, it is kind of a big deal when you're playing so many different positions, it can actually affect you at the plate as well. And he was still a really solid hitter. Uh, And I think if he settles in whatever position it is, whether it's third base, left field, center field, probably not center field, but whatever it is, uh, just getting in, like you said, getting into that routine is, is probably going to help him at the plate as well. Uh, also, the MVP really boosted him because I was trying to figure out how I was going to justify putting him where I did. And I gave him a, a pretty big MVP boost um, because that is like a peak for him, but he is a pretty consistent hitter throughout his career. Um mm. And I really like you, Nick. Come home, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Ryan makes great points about, you know, the, the what's it called? Oracle now where the Giants play. If you look at his splits, he played 93 games in Chicago and 51 in San Francisco. So it's not, you know, perfect. But his splits five points lower, you know, after the trade, five points lower uh in batting average uh 14 points lower in on base percentage and then 60 points lower in slugging yeah. so it's he's like a gap that, that, he's a gap power guy you know so yeah he's definitely lost some home runs probably in the gaps of that of that part yeah so so that that park really you know swallowed up some of that offensive production so i think should he go to a hitter friendly park or just like a, a normal park 
you know, one of those neutral sites, I, I think you will see an uptick to where he normally is like, you know, mid to high 800s for OPS and, you know, on base usually translates uh, pretty well. Um, oh, I was looking at a slugging and I was like, oh my God, he had a 521 uh, uh, on base percentage in 2019, but I was looking at slugging. Um, but I, I do think Chris Meyer bounces back. Speaking of potential bounce back candidates, one of the guys I think is prime for a big bounce back, at least I hope so, because I want him to get the hell out of Oakland, and that is Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman, uh, such a, a, for me, I don't know if you guys agree, very difficult person to rank. Um, Prior to, I guess, 2020, people were saying, oh, best third baseman in baseball over Arenado, over anyone else. And I'm like, whoo, man, I'm open to it. But like deck declarative statement, Matt Tabman, best in baseball. I don't know. Obviously everyone knows how great, how masterful he is defensively. I, I was never to, you know, the type to put him number one, but he was very good. That being said, he played in 151 games last year. And he was not very good offensively. He was still a gold glover defensively, which obviously the gold glove has its issues, but two, two-time platinum glove winner. And then like the Wilson overall defensive player uh, yeah, he's legit. as well. Like he, he's legit. So, you know, I don't think the gold glove concerns apply here, but as far as his 2021 goes offensively, 27 home runs, that's fine. Obviously the Coliseum is a massive, massive park. 72 RBIs. Again, RBIs are more of a team set. 210 batting average. Batting average is obviously not all that, but 210 is kind of like, damn, that's that's low. Uh, 314 on base percentage, also low. 403 slugging for a 716 OPS. And it's like, you see the batting average, you're like, damn, that's kind of low. Let's look at the rest. And then you see the rest is low too. You're like, shit, what's going on? And I believe, maybe I'm thinking of 2020 where he hurt his wrist at the end of the season. Um, Anyways, who is Matt Chapman uh, offensively, at least like we know who he is defensively, but who is he offensively? And that's what I really struggle with. So that I had him eight. Ryan had him eight as well. So we are consistent there. It feels like a good spot for him right now with the potential to jump up a lot and reclaim that top three or four status that he once had. Or if he proves to be this way offensively, He's going to, his ceiling is almost eight right now. Um, so it really depends how he rebounds offensively. I don't, I never know what's going on with the A's. Uh, so, you know, they're always so good, but they never try to make themselves better. Matt Chapman, you know, still very good, but I don't think the A's are doing him any favors. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on one Matt Chapman? Matt Chapman has never been known for his offense. That's just never really been his thing. But the offense just completely disappeared for him last year. Right. Um, he was out of 19 qualified third basemen. He was 18th in batting average, 17th in on-base percentage, 15th in slugging, and 18th in hits. The offense is just gone. He was a complete offensive liability. Not struck out 202 times. Not really sure what happened there. He also took a step back defensively for his standards. Um, last year, he had 10 defensive run saves. 
which is 18 defensive runs lower than what it was in 2019. His, uh, his range was also way, way lower than when it was before, which is very interesting as well. Fortunately for him, um, his 10 defensive run save was tied for a second for third baseman. His defensive rating of 11 was also the best for third baseman. So the reason why he's in my top 10 is because, yes, he did take, I guess you could say, a pretty big step back, 18 runs worse. Granted, he's still better <laughs> than yeah. any, pretty much everyone. Yeah. He's still a top-tier defender. Playing the hot corner at third base, that is going to be valuable. That's why he gets in for me if – that offense disappears again. He's probably not in the top 10 anymore. Um, unless that defense takes that big, huge jump back offense. Like I said, has never really been his thing, but we have. It's all in 2021. Yeah. So I don't know. Obviously with a couple of guys on this top 10, we need to see more to figure out exactly where they are. Cause it's kind of a crap shoot right now with this, bottom half of the top 10 like i said at the beginning troy where did uh matt chapman fall for you i also had chapman at number eight and uh pretty much because the defense is just so good he struck out over 30 percent of the time that's a lot that's way too much uh and and it's disappointing because you can't really use the park factors when you're striking out that much, you know, you can't say, Oh, it was because he's playing the Coliseum that he's yeah, he clearly well, you could do the Willie Adamas thing where you're like, I can't see in the trap. And then he actually went and backed it up in Miller Park and was like, so that was probably kind of funny last year. But yeah, uh, so that's concerning. The strikeouts are really because he he's never been like a guy who doesn't strike out, but he's never even approached something close to that. Uh so I still think he's definitely a top 10 just based on his defense alone. It's that good, but I like to see him, you know, slug around like 450, 475, get on base like 35% of the time. I think that'd be acceptable for him because like you guys were saying, he's not necessarily known as an offensive guy anyways. Right. And, and I completely get that, but he was always like respectable offensively. And as both of you pointed out, it was just, it just took such a massive step back to where, like Ryan said, he became a, a liability. And it's like, you know, we've talked about how sometimes you'll trade defense for offense. In Matt Chapman's case, you're trading offense for defense, but third base is generally regarded as position you need some offensive, you know, firepower from. And Matt Chapman did not provide that. Granted, he still had 27 bombs, but it was more like an Adam Dunn. 27 bombs as opposed to you know a legit you know i'm a good offensive talent 27 i'm sorry bombs. did you mention the goat <laughs> uh adam dunn the good times all right moving on to number seven in the composite rankings speaking of good times and familiar faces we have one anthony rendon and speaking of a guy that's difficult to rank who the hell knows uh because he basically didn't play last year um i mean 58 games like a zero war his, his stats were way down but it's he was injured off and on and uh i don't know like it it's kind of just like a best guess in 2020 he was solid he played 52 of the 60 games uh 915 ops he was 10th in mvp voting again shortened season so put as much stock into that as you will obviously everyone you know listening to this for the most part remembers his you know elite years in washington and the reason he got paid by the angels, but it, it, it's, it's hard to tell. It, it's, 
you know, we're, it's a crapshoot. We're just kind of guessing right now. Um, I, I do believe in Anthony Rendon's ability to bounce back. It's just like health. Everyone, you know, Nats fans remember the, uh, you know, oh, he's dealing with a, a lower back issue. He'll be out for a couple of days and then he's gone for two months. So it's there is some injury concern there. Obviously, you know, Angels fans know this seeing him the past year, but, you know, there are those nagging injuries that seem to like last longer than they should with Rendon. And he's getting older now. He's entering his age 31 season. And that's not retirement age, but it's certainly on the wrong side of 30 or whatever people like to say. I had him six because, again, I still believe it, it, in him. Ryan had him ninth. Ryan, perfect. I mean, it's a very nice ranking between the two of us. Ryan, uh, what are your thoughts on Anthony Rendon, and how do you project him going forward? Yeah, Rendon is a very, very tough cookie to crack. Um, you can't overlook the injuries, especially right. the ones that he's having. Those are nagging, reoccurring injuries. We kept seeing that last year where his – issue keep coming up over and over again to me that is kind of a concern when he's healthy when he's on the field he's great we've seen it um the angels saw it you know in 2020 but again when he was on the field he really wasn't that good he was atrocious defensively which is something we haven't really seen from Rendona as well he had a career worst negative six defensive run save in just 497 innings before that his career worst was zero when he played 198 innings. Um, but in the full season, his worst before that was two in 2018. So again, that is kind of interesting when he was on the field, he wasn't very good defensively and defense has been one of his strong consistent marks. He took a very big step back offensively. His doubles was way down. We all know Anthony Rendon loves to shoot the gaps. Tony two bags for a reason. Didn't see that. Was that because of his injuries or are these more interesting concerns for him? We don't know. We'll have to see how he is in 2022. Lingering injuries are a very, very big concern. And for me, a reason to worry. So right now I'm worrying about Rendon, which is why it has me, which why I have him lower. But if he bounces back and stays healthy and he puts up a year of what Anthony Rendon could do, he's back in the top five easily. Yeah, that's kind of where I, I think his ceiling even now is higher than Chris Bryant for me, probably higher than Matt Chapman, which is why I had him higher, but it's big question marks uh, for him. Just all the, this nagging stuff. I assume the, you know, defensive uh, downgrade was due to injuries as well, but who the hell knows? Trey, where did Anthony Rendo wind up for you? You know, you mentioned red flags and question marks, and uh, I'm blind to those because I put Anthony <laughs> Rendon at number three. I, I was uh, literally going to guess three just I'm, because I'm I was completely shoot disregarding high. this last season. Oh, boy. And every, I'm going straight the for bias the bias goggles on. Every <laughs> single position ranking, we have what I call an atrocious ranking. You putting Rendon at three is atrocious. All of them are I'm, I'm really sorry. I agree. No, All of the I'm atrocious a... rankings are trash. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's becoming uh, a problem. I think you have a problem. <laughs> With this one, I have a problem. Uh, I'm I'm just ignoring all of the, the concerns. I, can stop anytime I don't care. I, want to. I just don't care. Uh, he had MVP votes in f- the last four seasons before la- before 2021. I'm not ready to give up on him. I still think he's elite. And uh, 
it could totally blow up in my face, but I don't care. I'm sticking with it. You, again, put as much stock into this as you want, but I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, baseball reference has his projected plate appearances at 387, which would be about like just over half of the yep. year. I'm ignoring. <laughs> so, I'm legally blind. Legally blind. Just oh, ignoring man. it all. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have some supporters and fans in that sentiment that, you know, even though he's wearing a different shade of red now on a, the opposite coast, uh, they still have you know feelings for tony two bags and whatnot hey you can't uh, i was obviously looking at his baseball reference page like i just forgot how how damn good he was all season long 2019 obviously i remember the playoffs and the postseason run in the six rbi game or whatever it was and game six like i remember that but all year long he was exceptional and i kind of forgot that level of anthony rendon but that's kind of like the last real glimpse we had of him because he's just been kind of a shell of himself ever since. All right, moving on to number six in our rankings, another difficult person to rank. Speaking of down years for this person in 2021, that is Alex Bregman. You know, uh, I will give the Astros spiel here, but feel about him the way you do. uh, That's fine. Uh, I will even admit I had a very difficult time ranking him. At first, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go bold. I'm leaving him off my top 10. And then I look at the numbers. And I was like, shit, I, I don't think I can. <laughs> like, that's, you know, that would be, you know, just too biased. And, and I don't, definitely don't. I've never liked Alex Bregman, even before, like, the cheating stuff came out. I thought he's always been a cocky, arrogant douchebag and has a very punchable face. Um but, uh, you know, you games got to respect game. And his 2019 season was, you know, speaking of exceptional, his 2019 season was ex- exceptional. But was he cheating? Probably. Don't know. Uh, 2021, he dealt with injuries, played in 91 games. He had a 270 uh, batting average, 355 on base percentage, 422 slugging for a 777 OPS, uh, 2.1 war. Again, he played in you know, 90 something games and was injured. Uh, the Astros lineup, you know, is still going to be capable of protection and, and, you know, swinging the stick around. So he's going to have opportunities. It's just, it, it's hard to tell. Again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. It's just hard to tell with so many of these third basemen. Uh, and Alex Bregman is in, uh, you know, a growing list of guys that need to bounce back. So we have a more accurate read of them. Um, but whatever, for whatever it's worth, I mean, he's a world series MVP, silver slugger, two-time all-star. Uh, I believe he's an all-star game MVP as well. Um, two-time top five finisher in MVP voting. Like, I think he's good. I don't want him to be, but I think he's good. I, I just, I, I don't know. Um, he's not exceptional defensively, but as Brian pointed out earlier, like aside from the usual suspects, like generally no one is at third base. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had like negative two defensive runs saved, which sounds bad, but it's kind of average for third base. So who the hell knows? And we'll see if he bounces back from his injuries and this seemingly post-cheating era of the Astros, because while, you know, Jose Altuve, for example, clearly had his best seasons while they were confirmed cheating. He's still very solid offensively, even though they're 
supposedly not cheating now. Carlos Correa, same thing. I would assume Alex Bregman is still very good, even without the cheating. It's just how good. Um, and obviously injuries play a part to that. Uh, I had him nine. Ryan had him number four. So Ryan was a lot uh, higher on him than I was. Ryan, why do you like Alex Bregman so much? I like Bregman. Um, he's an absolute douche. I 100% agree through the punchable face, but I like Bregman and I like his talent. Um, he's a net positive defender, which is literally all you want at third base. He's not elite, but he's not going to kill you defensively. He's going to make you better out there. He did struggle with injuries. Um, he had wrist surgery. That's going to be very interesting how he comes back for that. He should bounce back from that pretty well. There are questions about how, How's he going to do, you know, post-cheating? 2020, his numbers were way down. I've said it before. I'm saying it again. I don't put that much stock in 2020 just because how weird of a season it was. A lot of players didn't want to play. His power numbers were way down in 2021. Batting average on base, fine. 360 on base, that's great. 270 batting average, again, well above league average, that's fine. But his OPS was over 100 points lower than what it normally is. His OPS plus was about 30 points lower than it normally is. The power was gone. The doubles weren't there. The home runs weren't there. He dealt with the wrist issues before he hit the IL and had surgery. So I think that's more contributed to basically, you know, him having a bad wrist, can't get fully round on the ball, which would be fine. I think he'll bounce back this year with the power numbers as well. Mixon being a net positive defender. He's a great third baseman. Also, Kyle Tucker, Alvarez, that lineup is going to be good, which is very, very annoying because if you look at who the Astros have lost every single year and they're <laughs> still a top five lineup, very annoying about that. But I think he bounces back. It's our MVP candidate level this year and proves why he's still a top third baseman, even without the cheating. That's probably fair. Uh, Trey, where do you have Alex Bregman in? Uh, I had Bregman at number 10. I am penalizing the cheating because <laughs> he hasn't played well since 2019. I know it was a shortened season 2020. I know he was hurt uh, last year. And I still think he's a good player and could absolutely go up, but it, I got to see, I got to see it with the post cheating. I got to see it. And I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I also think he's, he could still bounce back power wise, but he's never going to hit. Uh, over 40 homers again if they keep the balls the way they are obviously they've deadened them slightly and I think if there was a guy who benefited the most in terms of his power production from the juice balls it was probably Bregman uh, at least in my opinion Um, yeah I'm sure so I just I didn't feel I didn't feel confident in putting him higher because I just haven't seen I haven't seen that production you know post cheating allegations but he could absolutely bounce back he's still a young guy so um, yeah, I, I would definitely want to. I couldn't knock him out of the top ten, but I wanted to give him a little penalty for that. Uh, but yeah, he's still good, and I don't like him. But yeah, I respect the the skill if it's legit. We'll find out. Yeah, we definitely will find out. Um, and like so many guys we already mentioned, we need to see more. Uh, but moving on to number five on our list. Uh, Honestly, another guy we probably need to see more of, but not because of underperformance or uh, injuries or anything, but just was last year 
a, a breakout season and a sign of things to come? Or was it just that one good year that we can look back on with the Chris Davises of the world, with the Ubaldo, Ubaldo Jimenez's of the world? Uh, or is he going to be a perennial MVP candidate? And that is Austin Riley. Last year, you, you can't you can't fight the numbers. He, he, he was great. Um, God, 33 home runs, 107 RBIs, 303 batting average, uh, 898 on uh, or excuse me uh ops seventh in the mvp voting silver slugger he had a 6.1 war um he, he's the youngest guy in this list he's 24 so that would lead you to believe it is a sign of things to come and it's a, a sign of you know like he will get better presumably if you can improve on that that's already such a great season it's just i, I don't know that this is who he is because if you small sample size but 80 games in 2019 51 and 2020 he didn't come anywhere near to what he did in 2021 so but again it's 20 8 22 and 8 23 seasons so he's getting better he's learning obviously the braves lineup was quite good last year you know after especially after all the additions that they made and obviously the world series run but it's just like 70 points higher in, in batting average, uh, 66 points higher in on-base percentage, uh, 120 points higher in slugging. Like he's nowhere close to what his previous career marks were. So it's like, I tend to believe this is more outlier than sign of things to come, but he's so young. Who who the hell knows? And the Braves, I, I guess they're good at prospects. I mean, Ron Lacuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, now Austin Riley. They're all like homegrown guys and, I guess their development's pretty good. So that would lead you to believe he's just another one in this long line of Braves development that turns out well. It just, I, I am not immediately buying it. But I have to be fair. I can't be completely biased. He did play in all 160, or no, not all 160. He played in 160 games last year and that led uh, third baseman. So, you know. It, well, the Braves it, only it, played 161, right? So they're not the real champions. Oh, this is true. This is true. So you missed one game. Yeah, we're just, uh, we're just stating facts here. Yeah. Um, I had him number five. Ryan had him number six. And I will note that in Ryan's rankings, he included a gap between number five and number six. So he did have a gap between his number five and his number six being Austin Riley. Ryan, why do you think there's a drop off bef- uh, before you get to Austin Riley? 2021 was the Austin Riley coming out party. Um, 24 years old, finally showed his potential that he's consistently had in the minors. There was talks that maybe he's just not that guy after disappointing very tiny spans in 2019 and 2020. Not that guy, pal. Not that guy. Not that guy. Um, He worked a lot with the minor league hitting coordinator. Um, I Mike Brumley. There we go. I couldn't find his first name. He worked a lot with Mike Brumley over the offseason and during the season in the Braves credit Brumley for his breakout and his success. Brumley said he found minor tweaks in his swing that helped him put the bat to the ball more and also helped increase his power. Unfortunately for him, Mike Brumley left the team over issues with the team's vaccine mandate. So the guy who helped Austin Riley break out is no longer with the team. Will that impact him? We don't know. He's whatever defensively, a little net negative, but that's okay. The reason why I have a gap is because he's not yet on the elite guys level. If he gives you two or three more years, three more years, excuse me, of doing what he did in 2021, you can put him in that elite level right now. 
just celebrating his breakout season and what he did, but I can't have him close to the elite guys just because it was one year, but age 24, having the season, you got to think he's going to keep doing it. Yeah. I unfortunately, reluctantly agree. Trey, where did uh, Austin Riley wind up for you? Uh, I had Austin Riley at number seven. And like you guys said, I think this was a breakout year for him. I'm not sure if this season is what he's going to be consistently doing, but I can definitely see him being very productive regardless. Uh, If he continues to play to that level every season, then he's going to jump right into the top five for me. But uh, defense is definitely an issue, although he, he, he's improving. So that's a good sign. Uh, Walk rate as well. Not as high as I'd like, but still solid. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to see it again. If he does that again, he's shooting way up my list. Um, but I still think he's an extremely talented player. And like you guys said, really young. So he's got plenty of time to iron out any kinks he might still have. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to see again. It's not due to uh, underperforming or injury. It's just sample size. Like there's not a ton of it. There's honestly more of it that lends itself to believe this was, you know, Oh, outlier season than than not so we'll see uh obviously i think safe to say that losing freddie freeman freeman potentially in that lineup will impact austin riley ryan made that argument for justin turner i think it applies conversely to austin riley if they lose freddie freeman i think that is a direct hit to austin riley and not to mention they're potentially losing Jorge Soler, uh, Jack Peterson, um, Eddie Rosario, like the the key guys that, you know, were so offensively charged in that World Series run. So who knows how that impacts uh, Austin Riley. We'll have to see. All right, moving on to number four in our rankings, uh, one Nolan Arenado. Um, probably the most accomplished third baseman on this list. I mean, he's nine – Ninth year in this uh, in the league that he just completed gold glove every single year, top eight in MVP voting in five of those years, silver slugger in five of those years, uh, all star in six of those years. Like he very well accomplished, uh, didn't ever win an MVP in Colorado, but put up great stats. I think uh, the collective general uh, opinion of him is that he's declining. And maybe so that he's entering his age 31 season, um, his 2020 season. And Ryan just said, you know, he doesn't like to include 2020. His 2020 season was not great. And I think that's in large part due to obviously COVID and the impl- or the mandated season, but also just Colorado. I made this argument for Trevor Story. It's like he probably didn't love playing for Colorado, uh, you know, at the end of his tenure. And I, I can't entirely blame him. Everyone saw, you know, how Trevor Story reacted when he wasn't treated at the deadline. Um, so I, I'm not really looking at his 2020. But if you look at his 2021, he played in 157 games, which is obviously more than enough uh, of a sample size to, you know, judge 255 batting average, 312 uh, on base percentage, 494 slugging for an 807 OPS. All of those down from his career marks. I don't believe in the core's effect, so I'm not really going to dive too deep into that he's still at a 4.1 war but obviously he's still very good defensively that hasn't decreased too much he's still very very good five-time platinum glove award winner too if we're talking about you know all the accolades he's achieved i want him to bounce back just so we can shut up about the course effect 
he still hit 34 home runs and 105 RBIs last year, which is still very, very good. Like, I will take that, please. Like, if you don't want him, I will take him. Like, please. Uh, it's just, it's unfortunately hard to argue that he's not declining, which I don't think he is, but it's hard to argue against that. I had him number four. Ryan had him number four. Uh, no, excuse me. Ryan had him number five, uh, but still top five for both of us. Ryan, what do you like so much about Nolan Arenado? And do you think he's declining? No, all the talk about declines just kind of dumb. Um, right. When you look at his numbers, he was fifth for third baseman in hits, fourth in slugging, fourth in home runs, and third in RBIs. That's a good season. You want power from your third baseman, and he gave you power last year. 34 home runs, 105 RBIs, um, a 14% K rate, well below league average as well. His BABIP was a little away from his career average, so he should bounce back in places he struggled. Again, if you're having, you know, a 494 slugging and you're like, oh, this guy's having a down year, you're pretty good. His numbers are still good. He's still a plus defender, which Nolan Arenado has always been known for in his time when he was with the Rockies. You know, didn't hate as much as Trevor Story did, but this season he had six defensive runs saved. That is down from 23 when he had in 2019, but six defensive runs saved is third for third baseman. So if you look at his numbers as a whole, he was still one of the top third baseman. He was down for his standards, but Nolan Arenado's standards are a Hall of Fame level. Nolan Arenado is a Hall of Famer. If you don't think so, you're wrong. So again, when you're a Hall of Famer, you have a down year. People are going to notice, but your down years are still all-star years. Yeah. Trey, where did uh, Nolan Arenado wind up for you? Uh, so I had Arenado at number four. And there's a guy on the Cardinals right now who had a similar first season when he left a predominantly hitter-friendly park. His name is Paul Goldschmidt. Don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, and he has completely bounced back from that season at this point. So I'm looking at Arenado's numbers. I'm like, these aren't even that bad. And I could see him going straight up. Um, the power was still there. He almost slugged 500 despite only hitting 255. That's pretty good. Uh, and yeah, defensively, he's obviously still amazing. Not Maybe not as good of a season last year, but I don't really have a concern about Very one high season. bar. Yeah, I mean, tw- you get 23 defensive runs saved 2019. I mean, that's off the scale at that point, especially for third base. So trying to stay at that standard every year is pretty much impossible. But, uh, yeah, he'll. I almost am positive he's going to bounce back from – and it's a bounce back from a season that was still solid. So, you know – I could see him getting right back into the top three next season as well. Yep. I would agree. All right. Moving on to the top three in our rankings. Uh, we finally get to the point in our rankings where we don't have to talk about a necessarily like concerning down year uh, for these players. Number three on our list is Raphael Devers. If you look at his 2021 season, 3.5 war, 38 home runs, uh, 113 RBIs, 279. 352 538 slash line for an 890 OPS, which is, you know, his OPS was uh, above slugging above, but, you know, on base percentage slightly, but generally he's pretty in line with what he's done in his career. And that he just finished his fifth season. So there's a good sample size to draw from there. Uh, his batting average, if you go back to 2019, his batting average was down, but again, his on base and slugging uh, and OPS was generally about the same. 
didn't hit as many doubles. He led the league in 2019 with 54 doubles, which is quite impressive, but still 37 in 2021. So still solid. He also hit more home runs. So I, I guess some of those just found their way out of the park. Like how dare he? Um, I still like Rafael Devers. He's only 25. Just another great, young, exciting Red Sox prospect that, you know, embarrassment of riches over there in Boston. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Rafael Devers? Uh, oh, for the record, I had him number three and Ryan, Ryan had him number three. Devers is very, very good. It's kind of hard to understate it. And he also gets a little underrated, which is very, very interesting. Looking at him last year, 890 OPS, absolutely fantastic. 131. 113 RBIs, 38 home runs, 37 doubles. The thing with Devers is he is a extra base hit machine. This man, he's 20, finishes age 24 season. He had 54 doubles and 32 home runs as 22 years old. That's absolutely absurd. He also set the Red Sox franchise record for most hits in a season before turning 23. He had 195. Ted Williams had 193. There's some very, very, very good players who play for the Red Sox, and he's beating them. He also set the record for most extra base hits in a season before turning 23, and he also has the franchise record for the most extra base hits in general before uh, age 23 for the Red Sox. He is a extra base hit machine, and he needs to be talked about more. He's the second youngest Red Sox position player. He is probably just now entering his prime and he just now got his first all-star nod and he's going to keep doing this. The guy can hit him and Xander absolutely special for the left side of the infield. I don't have his defensive stats up, but the man is an absolute freak offensively. It's just crazy to look back at his 2019. Uh, just this is strictly 2019, 311, 361, 555 for a 916 OPS. 32 home runs, 115 RBIs, 54 doubles, 12th in MVP voting, no no all-star honors. Like, underrated, might be understated. Like, this dude is just absolutely slept on. Trey, where did Rafael Devers wind up for you? Uh, I had Devers at number five. Uh, like you guys underrated, said. Underrated, understated. Well, I also have Rendon at three, so that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt him. Uh, a little bit. So, But, uh, yeah, so I, I love Devers uh, from at the plate. The reason I kept him down at number five is because of his defense, because it's not good at all. The whole left side of that infield is rough defensively, but they can hit. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't matter when you he, get bombs. Yeah, I know. In their case, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Devers hits the ball consistently harder than most players. Like I was actually just I was going through some of his highlights and uh, he's I mean, he had multiple uh, hits that were over 115 miles per hour exit velocity and that's rare so uh yeah and he's like 12 years old so i mean he'll freaking be around for the next 20 years doing this uh yeah and it's just if the defense can improve a little bit for me that's it because the the bat is there obviously the on base is there the slugging's there um so but if yeah if the defense can improve a little bit i would probably put him in the top three uh and if my bias goes away for rendon then he would move down but whatever uh, I like Devers a lot too, though. Well, still too low, but that that's fine. You kind of saved yourself there at the end. All right, moving on to number two in our rankings, we have the baby-faced assassin himself, which isn't 
a nickname solely you know, dedicated to him. But I, anytime I hear that nickname, I laugh. Uh, that is Manny Machado, obviously, you know, known for his spectacular highlight plays. Uh, going to his 2021 season, 5.0 war, 28 home runs, 106 RBIs, 20 or er, excuse me, 278 batting average, 347 on base, 489 slugging for 836 OPS, uh, OPS plus of 131. Very solid across the board. All star MVP 18. Um, the thing with Manny Machado is his 2021 season was more in line with his career average than the 2019 season was in his first year with San Diego. So, you know, he kind of bounced back. He was very solid in 2020, you know, third in MVP voting, but it's 2020. It's a generally small sample size. So it's hard to get a, a fair assessment from that season alone. Um, it does help because it helps the progression uh, rather than, you know, and support any regression or anything like that but he was very solid in 2021 uh the, that left side of the Padres infield you know you go from the Red Sox just talking about the Red Sox to talking about the Padres now very very good uh Manny Machado doesn't have to be the guy because obviously Fernando Tatis has taken the baseball world by storm uh but make no mistake about it he's still very very solid Tatis was number two last week in our shortstop rankings Machado now number two in our third base rankings Ryan and I both had him number two Ryan why do you like Manny Machado so much it's really funny because the players that weigh Machado too but our top two players are probably the also two most forgotten players at their positions (laughs) yeah kind of which is really weird no one really talks about Machado anymore mainly because the Padres have a lot of young, exciting talent. They also have the face of baseball in Fernando Tatis Jr., who deserves all the attention. But Manny Machado is still being Manny. He is good at what he does. <clears throat> Excuse me. He is still a top defensive third baseman. Six defensive run save. That's not like that unreal season he had his rookie year. We had 27 defensive run saves, but it's still very, very good. His range is also still very good, and his arm is still strong. We've seen it. There's a reason why they put him out in right field on shifts because the man can cover a lot of ground, and he has a very, very strong arm. We have seen that. Offensively, his numbers were great as well. 28 home runs, 106 RBIs, 278, 347, 489. Those are all great. Slightly above his career average, but I still think he is going to do that. There is a lot of protection in that lineup, and his defense is going to stay up. That offense is just going to keep being consistent, and Manny's going to keep being Manny, and he's, once again, one of the best third basemen in baseball. For sure. Trey, how low did you have Manny Machado? Tell me, you know, he's like number 10 for you. No, no, no. He's number two. Number two. Um, so he had that season last year that was really solid and he was still exceptionally unlucky at the plate. So I feel like y'all should, everyone should start buying some stock in Manny Machado's numbers. Uh, because if you go on his savant page, every advanced metric supports him having an absolute monster season, uh, last year. And he still had a really good season, but it, but in comparison to, I, I mentioned this in the last video that I made, and compared, compared to Tatis, who slugged over 600, their advanced numbers were not that far off. Uh, so I feel like Machado is due for an even better season in 2022. And I, you know, I get that people don't like him, and that's probably why they don't think he's that respect good. Him. Yeah, re- or respect him. Uh, but he is that good. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, he just he, he gets disrespected because people just don't like him. Um, 
but even I couldn't put him at number one because the number one choice is the most disrespected player in the damn league. So, but yeah, yeah. Machado's awesome. In multiple uh, capacities too. Like you look at his contract, my, we talk about the Ronald Acuna contract, the Ozzy Albies contract, which are, you know, insane in their own right. But this might be the most insane contract ever. Six years, 36 million for the best third baseman in baseball. That is Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. Baseball reference says Cleveland Indians. That is wrong. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, 2021, he had a 6.7 war, 36 home runs, 103 RBIs. Uh, 266 batting average, which is more than fine. 355 on base, 538 slugging for 893 OPS and a 141 OPS plus. The thing that shocked me the most, and I knew he signed that contract, so I guess it shouldn't have shocked me. He's played nine years in the MLB. For some reason, I thought he was like just finished year five or whatever. Uh, you know, he's played nine years in the MLB and he's been underrated for. At, at least the past six, if not, you know, all nine. Um, I mean, he's the past five years, uh, he's finished top six in MVP, MVP voting four times. So it's like he's getting the votes, but he's not getting that, you know, true recognition as, as the game's best. And granted, it's all, it was, you know, frequently uh, Machado or Arenado and then insert Chapman. So it's like, you know, you get the flashy names um, ahead of uh, the, you know, guy from a small market team in Cleveland, but he's still very, very good. It's criminal how slept on this guy is. He's been the model of consistency ever since his breakout year in 2016. Like there's no real decline, like his batting average has dropped, but I'm not too concerned about batting average. His OPS up and down, but generally, uh, uh, you know, around the same mark of his career average, eight eight fifty five. <clears throat> but just criminally, criminally slept on. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say he's the most underrated player in baseball. Uh, he's just—it's very easy to forget about him too, to be quite honest. And uh, obviously, we have him number one on our ranking, so. Uh, we don't forget him about him all that often, but he is easy to forget about. Ryan, why is Jose Ramirez the number one third baseman in baseball? Jose Ramirez is the most underrated player in baseball, and it's not really close either. <laughs> um, he is very, very good. Not only can he hit for power, not only can he hit for contact, not only does he get on base as well, he can also steal. He has three straight 2020 seasons, not including 2020, which I am disregarding for this because it's 2020. Um, he can put up 30 st- steals. He can also put 30 home runs. He did that in 2018 with a 30-30 season. The man is good and he is consistent. Um, people forget about him because he plays in Cleveland. Also, he has the best team-friendly deal in the sport. Um, when you look at his per dollar, when it comes to war, there's no one really better. Um, since he signed the contract, he's finished in the top 10 of war in three of the five seasons in that span as well. He has finished top three in MVP three times. He's a three-time all-star and he's also won three silver sluggers. He is good. He is the best third baseman in baseball. He does what he does. And get that man some help or get him out of Cleveland. Like he needs the recognition he deserves because he is criminally underrated and he is a very, very special talent. 
yeah, I was like, oh, wow, 2022 is his last season. And then I see the 2023 team option. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like that, yeah, <laughs> he's stuck in Cleveland for at least two more years. Trey, I assume Jose Ramirez did get your number one spot. Yeah. Uh, Jose Ramirez is a top 10 player in this league, straight up. And the fact that he doesn't get the recognition he deserves is infuriating because he's a five-tool player. Five-tool players are supposed to be very popular and getting all this recognition for being what they are, like, a, a, you know, Ronald Cunha, Fernando Tatis. Like, they get huge press for being these five-tool type guys. And Jose Ramirez is, quite frankly, he's better than both of them. Uh, so I don't understand uh, how he gets disrespected this much. I mean, I know, he, I know where he plays, but he's, he's must-watch TV, must-watch baseball. Uh, so I was so glad when you texted me yesterday that he was number one, I was like, yes, thank goodness. He's not getting underrated by us at least. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's an MVP caliber guy. I could see him winning it next year if he goes off. So, I mean, that's his ceiling. His ceiling is MVP. His floor is like top 20 player. So like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's infuriating that he doesn't get, the recognition he deserves. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So get ready for that. That's all I got. <laughs> Hall of... Ryan, what are your thoughts on that statement? I think that's a, a little bit of a stretch. I need, I need him to repeat that for me. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Ooh. Ooh. I like he's it. Got, uh, it's 30, not, it's 34 not, it's war not, at age yeah. 28. I mean, he's on track. Yeah, that's it's not one of your atrocious takes. It's just something I hadn't thought of. He will be. I book it. I guess he's on pace <laughs> and there's no real signs of regression. He's still in his prime. And like Trey said, he has accrued a good amount before age 30. Um, Especially if he ends up he, winning an MVP award at any point. Which he might. Yeah. I don't know. He could. If, if he keeps this pace up, he 100% will be. Also, the fact that he plays third base gives him a boost. There's not that many in the Hall of Fame. He has to keep it up, but he does have more extra base hits than strikeouts in his career, so that also helps as well. Stupid. That is just silly. Yeah, it's a dumb stat. <laughs> like <laughs> I love it, though. I yeah. love it. No, obviously, you're, in a good way, it's a dumb stat. <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree with Ryan. I didn't have too much difficulty putting him number one over anyone else. I think it's pretty clear at this point that he deserves that, that top spot. It's just a matter of, can he keep it up and when the hell will he get out of Cleveland? Cause I don't think he can get out of there quickly enough. Um, honorable mentions. The, the one I had a couple guys, I, I was, um, you know, debating, but one real guy I, I had in my top 10 that didn't make the top 10. That was Ryan McMahon. Um, I had him number 10 and I'm not too like broken up about the fact that he didn't crack the top 10. He was a honorable mention for Ryan that Ryan included in his list. Um, it's just like, he had a great year last year, like very, very solid and respectable, but his numbers aren't wow. Or like they don't stand out. And he had a 779 OPS in core. So it's like, you would expect that to be a little bit higher. Uh, but 23 bombs, 83, uh, or excuse me, 23 bombs, 86 RBIs. He led the league in defensive run saved, uh, extremely versatile, um, primarily third base, but plays a strong second base and first base as well. 
Um, I, I think he could be uh, grit, like his ceiling's probably like number nine, third baseman, but I think he could be uh, a candidate to, you know, improve this next season, a little bit of a late bloomer. He's entering his age 27 season, but I, that's my one where it's like, I feel like that is probably top 10, but again, I'm not broken up about it that he's not top 10. Did you guys have any honorable mentions? Yeah. Well, I actually had a guy in my top 10 that we didn't discuss. Oh, okay. Uh, Please. And that was, free. yeah, I had uh, Yoan Moncada at number nine. Um, Moneyball baby. He gets on base. Uh, highest walk rate among qualified third basemen at a 375 on base percentage. The thing with Moncada is that's I just don't know if he has power or not because he really he slugged over 900 in 132 games in 2019, but that was really the peak. He hasn't really gotten back to that. So if he can do that, then he can go up the list because he's only 26 years old or 27 years old. So uh, I really like his on base skill. Also, a very interesting thing about Moncada is that he seemed to crack the BABIP code because he's had a really high BABIP for like five seasons in a row. And that's normally not supposed to be sustainable when you don't hit like three, four, 340 every year. But uh, he he's uh, made it work. I don't really know how. But uh, yeah, I, I had him at number nine. And uh, yeah. McMahon was also an honorable mention for me because of his just honestly, defensively, he was so good last year. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. On the first run through, I had Moncada 10 and then I like the deep dive of the numbers. And that was, I texted Ryan about this. I was like, I expected his numbers to be better than they were just like my general perception of him. So know, did I that. actually, I had him, I had him at number six when I was first ranking it. And right. then I was like, Oh wait, okay. I can't do I that. Like, but I, I still like, want to oh, give him his respect. I, I even said this, Ryan, I was like, there's more arguments to not have him in the top 10 than there were to have him in the top 10. Like you mentioned that 2019 season and that 2019 season was solid. Don't get me wrong, but that 915 OPS is very clearly the sore thumb in his career today. Like he hasn't had above an 800 OPS otherwise. Um, like, he, yeah, his walk rate, it's fine, uh, but it's, you know. It, it, if he's not doing much else, it's I, I wouldn't claim him top 10. He's not a bad player and he's still young. He can definitely improve. But uh, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave him out of my top 10. Uh, Ryan, did you have anyone? Um, oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just had a McMahon, 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 <laughs> McMahon. Uh, but you guys already hit up on him. Oh, but you also had Josh Donaldson as well. Oh, I did have Josh Johnson. I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah. I'm a I'm a big Josh Johnson guy, the bringer of rain. He will consistently bring power. I'm pulling up his defensive stats right now, and I'm trying to stall. I hit the wrong <laughs> name. That's really awkward. But yeah, Josh Johnson, bringer of rain. You know, funny on Twitter as well. Um, as this page just is not loading. But yeah, last year, you know, he had a down year for his standards. 26 home runs, which a little low for him. He didn't have the Braves cheating machine in 37. But when you're, you know, 475 slugging, 350 on base, I'm going to be a fan of you. I do think his power will return as well. A little bit of adjust, adjustments going to the cold weather in Minnesota, but I like him. I think he's 11 or 12. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I will say I'm probably, uh, well, I'm not probably. I am glad the Nats didn't give him that contract. 
because it he's especially just always now. injured. Yeah, especially now, but he's <laughs> just always injured. Uh, I another guy I think it deserves an honorable mention is Joey Wendell, uh, All Star last year. Uh, doesn't have those wild numbers either, but he's versatile, which I like. Um, you know, his on base percentage isn't or wasn't great in twenty nine or excuse me twenty twenty one. Uh, only a three nineteen. Um, and then 293 in 2019, but I do see another late bloomer, but it seems like he's found a good role with Tampa and Tampa very notoriously develops guys. Maybe they're cheating. I don't know, but uh, you know, I think he was at least deserving of uh, honorable mention. And a guy I think we have to talk about is key Brian Hayes. Like it, it, it's tough to project right now. Cause he's still so young. Uh, he's entering his age 25 season and, doesn't have a lot of experience under his belt, but he was number one in defensive run saves for third baseman yeah. last year. And he's already there with the defense. Yeah. He's just already, ab- he's already got just there. above 700 innings. Um, like he was number one in defensive run saves. So it's like, if that offense catches up, we have a superstar on our hands and How old is I he? don't know. He's entering his age 25 season. Okay. So I, I don't know, like 2023 or God damn. His age 2023, his age 23 season in 2020, he, he was great. Uh, he played uh, 24 games, small sample size, but 24 games. He had a 1100 OPS and you're like, holy shit, this guy's going to be exceptional. 96 games last year. He dealt with injuries. I believe he had a wrist injury too. 689 OPS in 96 games. You're like, shit, who, who are we getting here? But I think if that OPS settles around 850 and the home runs tick up a little bit and the Pirates suck. So this is all a very, very far stretch hypothetical. But if that offensive uh, production improves, the defense is there and he will definitely be in the top 10 this time next year. But I did want to just mention him because who knows what he's going to bring to the table. So, all right. That wraps a good conversation on the third baseman. Uh, like Ryan said, could be, you know, at some point the weakest position in baseball. Right. What was once the strongest has now kind of thinned out a little bit with some notable underperforming players that were previously regarded as the game's best. So we will have to see how the 2022 season plays out once baseball resumes. It sounds like, you know, more details are coming out about the, the latest offer. Maybe there's some optimism for a deal being struck, or maybe it's just all bullshit that the owners are spewing through the media to try to shift fan opinion. Who knows? Both are logical uh, (laughs) results of the MLB. Who knows? Next week, though, we will be rounding out the infield tackling catchers. So we'll do catchers, and then we'll probably do outfielders before we move on to starting pitchers and relievers. Um, to round out our rankings but next week catchers so some different mindsets going into catchers because obviously be that's not that's not necessarily a position you think of uh, for offensive output so you know what what's the the tiebreakers what are the difference makers in these rankings that's going to be a fun conversation to have and who's the best com or who's the best catcher in baseball i think that has a little bit more of a uh open answer than it might have been in years past so we will tackle that next week um before we wrap this episode you guys got anything else to add lockout or otherwise don't trust bob nightingale 
Yeah. I mean, if that hasn't been more true than it is now, I don't know when it will ever be, but yeah. Gator seems like sucks. a nice guy, but he's, you know, just gets, gets our, all our hopes up and then it yeah. just comes crashing down. Oh, he's a, a MLB puppet, just like John Heyman's a Boris puppet. Nightingale is an MLB puppet. Uh, I only, uh, if Passon doesn't tweet it at this point, I, I don't listen yeah. to it. Like even Ken Rosenthal, I'm like, oh man, I don't know. Like it's a little bit more credible, but I don't know. So I, I trust, uh, I trust Passon and that's what I'll stick with. Ryan, you got anything else before we head out? No, sir. Just give uh, Jose Ramirez the respect he deserves. Yeah. Give that man some credit. All right. Well, be sure to, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel, hit that little bell you see. And if you're listening through the podcast, be sure to head to our YouTube and hit subscribe. And of course, follow or subscribe or whatever it may be to the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to and follow the show on Twitter at half street, high heat, check out half street, high for all the latest articles. we got tons of stuff coming out. Monty is killing it with the college baseball coverage. So that is live baseball. You're getting every single day while this lockout is ongoing and it's great college baseball uh, i might add so be sure to check that out and follow us on twitter you can follow trey at reverse to our two s's ryan at we are we are all shack and myself at nats moose appreciate you listening next week catchers and in the meantime uh don't listen to bob nightingale and let's hope we get a deal done all right guys talk to you next week there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.